Welcome to the Rhodes Church Podcast. We are so excited to connect with you. We hope that this podcast builds your faith and that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. The title of the series is called In Case of a Power Outage. And here's what he began to challenge me on. As we're there in India and we're talking and we're, we're speaking, it's so different. I don't know if you've got the pleasure of experiencing this. It's a pleasure and it's a challenge. When you're talking to people who don't have a biblical worldview, don't, they're not in the Bible belt. They're raised with a total different God reference. And you want to sell them, lack of a better phrase, you want to teach them or sell them why your God, the God of the Bible, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Jacob, the God of Israel, why this God is true and theirs is not. And God said, the only thing that separates me from all the other gods is that I am alive and that I am powerful. See, because if we don't operate in the power of God, all we have is another argument. Because anybody else could produce their Bible, their book of beliefs, their doctrine. Anybody else has theirs, whether, I don't want to rattle off all the different religions. They've got their manual, if you will, their Bible, their, their manuscript that they believe from, and they can pull it out and they say, this is truth. What separates their God from the God of the Bible? And I believe it is the power of God. The Bible says this, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. I believe that we need to walk in the power of God. God wants us to walk in the power of God. When you're trying to, you know, you have the, this, this uh, other religion prays for an individual, and you go to pray for that individual, which one do you think they're going to put their faith in? They're going to put their faith in the one that produces results, not another argument. Not another theory. Well, here's why we're better. We, 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 we believe this. Well, we believe that. Which one's right? The one that produces results is the one that's going to draw people. Jesus drew people because of two things. When Jesus showed up on the scene, they were like, what? This is crazy. Not because he had another doctrine. They said he speaks with two things, power and authority. We've not heard anybody speak like that before. So this is what we want to get into. We want to make sure we have the power. So if you got your Bibles, open them up to 2 Timothy chapter 3. Woo! Woo! That's a power shout right there. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Power, power, power. Wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. Pa, 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 pa. That's what we used to do. Remember we used to see how many powers we could get in on the chorus? You know what I'm talking about. Some of you are like, no, I have no idea. I don't even know what song you're singing. That's for some of us who are raised up in church and raised up in hymns, power in the blood. Great song. There is power in the blood of Jesus. Precious power in the blood of Jesus. Pa, 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 That's what we used to do. Anyway, I'm a moron. Never mind. So... <laughs> Welcome back to America. It's great to have you, Pastor. Great to have you, Chad. Second Timothy chapter 3, I want to look at verse 1. It says, but know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. i got to get to the point, because in the first service, I didn't get to everything that I wanted to get to, and I, I want to. The beauty of the second service, we don't have as hard a back end, but I want to respect time. This verse says, but in, these, in this, but know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. 
How many knows we're in perilous times? I know that sounds, that's a real churchy word. Perilous? What does that mean? The word perilous means violent, dangerous, hard, evil, difficult to deal with. We're in a day and an hour that there's some things that are challenging. We're in perilous times. Look at your neighbor and say perilous. Perilous. While I was in India, you know, we didn't always have access to internet and we didn't have always access to the news and things like that. But something happened in my nation while I was gone. That when I got the news of this ruling, my heart sank. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, I welcome you, Holy Spirit, that I will share the heart of heaven and nothing else. God, put a watch over my mouth, and I pray that people will know and feel your love, that the love of God will permeate, that the light of God will shine brightly for your glory. So when I heard this news about the ruling in New York about abortion, and I saw the smiling faces and the literal cheering and clapping of people that now we are signing into law that we can kill our babies right up to the point of delivery. My heart began to sink because I'm like, God, how did we get here? How did we get to this place in society? The problem is, multifaceted. I'm not going to preach on this all-encompassing right now, but I, I did say, God, when I get back home, I will speak to this issue for my church because I believe the problem in America, and I believe even amongst the body of Christ at times, we have over-politicized things to the extent that abortion is now just a political issue alongside building a wall. Abortion is not a political issue. It is not a party preference. It is not limited to politics. Abortion is an issue. It is demonic. It is evil. It has not come from God. It is something, if I would put it into context, and what we are saying, and what happens is gradually over time, we get desensitized to conviction. We get desensitized to the things of God, and we become to begin to marginalize the Bible because in our society, we can't choose life or death, or we can't choose poison points of emphasis because, you know, we, 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 don't, we want to be broad and we want to be inclusive and we want to be tolerant. So it becomes a big gray blob of I don't know what's right. You don't know what's right. Anybody can determine what's right. And God is saying, hey, I'm not here to be angry. I'm not here to be mad. I'm here to release my love and my love has boundaries, not boundaries in who it's extended to, but who gets to walk in that love. He says, I extend my love to everyone, everyone, not willing that any should perish. So I express this with the love of God online and right here to our church family. That God says somehow we've desensitized ourselves to the place. Let me just reemphasize, and this ruling is not worse than when it was okay to abort them at two months. It's no different. It's no different. Here's what I think has happened. And this is what 
happens throughout history. The enemy overplays his hand. This is my prayer. The enemy is bragging and clapping now. But I'm telling you, he's overplayed his hand. And now this is going to stir even greater an awakening in the church, an awakening in the body of Christ, that the level of evil that this is extended is only going to be surpassed by the level of revival that comes because of that. What, what the enemy meant to destroy life God's going to use as a catalyst to stir up. Should he have to? Did he have to? No. It's not, hey, I want this to happen so you'll. It's just God is saying to the church, wake up. Wake up. Wake up. Stop being afraid of political things and address the Bible. That this abortion issue, it's not a Republican, Democrat issue. It is a God versus evil issue. I heard someone say, well, this is just a medical procedure, and we're for the rights of the woman. I absolutely am for women's rights. I'm also for the rights of that woman in that womb that does not have a right to say whether she's going to see the light of day. I'm for the rights of every single person, but here's here's context for it. If we do not speak up as a body of Christ, and I'm not talking about just our church, church universal, this is very similar If you go back years ago, people that claimed to be followers of Christ that were sitting in churches turned a deaf ear every day while rail cars passed their church on the way to gas chambers to kill millions and millions of Jews. They turned up their music louder, sang louder so they didn't have to hear the screams coming from the rail cars. He's saying, hey, my babies are crying out to me. My babies are crying out from the womb and who's going to hear their cries? It's similar to years ago people that confessed to be followers of Jesus sitting in churches all the while allowing and even supporting the separation of different races that black people couldn't go to the bathroom with a white person, couldn't eat in the same restaurant, but all the while we're praising God and turning a deaf ear to the cries of injustice. God is saying to the church, don't be afraid to stand for what is right. Don't be afraid to stand for what God says is right. We don't look back. We don't look back on those people that marginalized or accepted the Holocaust and say, well, you know, they did all they could. We don't celebrate them. We criticize them and say, what were you thinking? We don't look back, and we don't have to go back hundreds of years. We can go back to the 1960s, those who still walked in segregation and prejudice. We can go back to today, people still walking in prejudice. We don't look back on those people and say, well, you know, they had good hearts. No, we say, what were you thinking, separate bathrooms? I'm telling you, if we don't take a stand on abortion, 50 years from now, people will look back because this is going to turn. Because the enemy overplays his hand. How different would it be? We'd go ahead and birth that baby out and then chop its head off right outside of the womb. We would be called barbarians. We would be called radical. It's even gross to talk about. But there is no difference if 30 minutes earlier you also kill that baby, dismember its body parts, and call that a medical procedure. I'm just saying God says we are living in perilous times. Perilous times. Now we've got two options. We can either sit around and go, oh, Jesus, 
perilous times, perilous times. Or we can walk in the power that God has given us to make a difference. I want to I lean into the latter. I don't know about you. Here's what the scripture says. Perilous times. I give you a little bit of vocabulary lesson in the sermon notes. Some of you, the melancholy people, are really thrilled and excited about it. The sanguines are like, whatever, I'm not even paying attention. <laughs> You're probably surfing the internet right now for stuff and not even listening to my message, but that's all right. I still love you anyway. <laughs> but the reason I gave you this vocabulary is because I want you to know what each of these words and phrases mean because I don't want you to read this. Here's what we do in church. We'll read a list like this and we'll think of them. I don't want you to think of them. I want you to think of you. I want you to say, it's me, it's me, it's me, O oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. I want you to say, God, where is any of this in me? I want you to pray Psalm 51 and say, search my heart, O oh God, and see if there be any wicked way in me. That's not Psalm 51. That's creating me a clean heart. Uh, Psalm 130. Sorry, I don't have it off the top of my head. You know what I'm talking about, that scripture, though. I wasn't prepared for that, so sorry about misquoting it. But you know what I'm talking about? Where we say, God, search me. Search me. So I'm asking this for now as we read this. It says, for men, women will be, do, we, do any of these apply to us? Men and women will be lovers of themselves. Do we need to go any further? Bam, he blasted us right out of the gate. Because I'm a lover of myself sometimes. Anybody else with me? Don't leave me hanging. I'm a lover of myself. I like things my way. I like my preferences. I like when people treat me the way I want, to treat, want them to treat me. I like when my wife does what I want her to do. I like when my children do what I want them to do. I like when you do what I want you to do. <laughs> you know, we're, we're like this, right? We're, we have a love. We've got we've to deal with that. I'm not saying we're like that all the time, but I'm just saying we have some sense of selfishness in our life. I always say there's two times you find out how selfish you are. One, when you get married. Two, when you have kids. That's when you find out how selfish you are. Lovers of money. This is where money, the decision about money makes all your life decisions. That's what lover of money. Money's not bad. Money's not evil. God wants you to have money. He just doesn't want money to make all your decisions. Lovers of money. Boasters, proud, blasphemers. Again, I'm not going to go through it. I gave you the details so you can figure out which ones apply to you. Blasphemers, disobedient to parents. Do we have any kids that want to admit that you're disobedient to parents right now? Can we have you come forward right now? We're going to pray for you. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Dis <laughs> disobedient to parents. Unthankful. Anybody unthankful? I think we can all raise our hands. We're unthankful. I saw some things in India that made me realize how unthankful I am for what I have. Whenever you go overseas, you never go, I never want to come back with just blasting what we have and make people feel guilty about what we have. That's never going to be profitable. That's never going to be good for people. But I hope it stirs an appreciation. I told my kids when they, they came and surprised me, and, and the three of them were there to pick me up at the airport, and we talked on the way home. And I just talked about what was happening, and I wanted them to stir up an appreciation for what God has given them. I want to be thankful, unthankful is not good. It's in this listing. Unholy, unloving, unforgiving, unforgiving. Anybody need to forgive somebody? Yeah, yeah. Forgive them. Release it in the name of Jesus. Release it. I'm telling you that holding that grudge is not helping you. 
It's hurting you, unforgiving. I could teach that, but we're moving on. Slanderers, talking about other people, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. This is perilous times and perilous situations, perilous characteristics. This is not of God. All these things, we need to get rid of them. But number five is the one I'm going to jump on for this series. Having a form of godliness but denying its power and from such people turn away. A form of godliness, but denying its power. What does that mean, having a form of godliness? The word form just means an embodiment, a formulation, an external form or appearance. Godliness just means a reverence for God. It's someone who looks like they serve God, looks like they're loyal to God, looks like. What does that mean, look like? They might sit in church. Do you know not everybody that sits in church is reverent to God? Not everybody that sits in church is loyal to God. Sometimes they're fulfilling a religious obligation and they're doing what they need to do. They're coming because their spouse makes them come. They're coming because they think that's what they're supposed to do on Sunday. I don't know what their motivations are, but not everything we do on the outside is a clear picture of what's on the inside. Oh, we can get real, real with this. Not everything you say is actually genuine. Not everything you say to them is really what you mean. So he says they have a form of godliness, but they deny the power. Here's what God was speaking to me. He said, Chad, don't deny the power of God. I'm like, okay, I won't. He said, no, no, here's what he means. Look what the word deny means. Sorry, let me break down power first. The word power means dunamis, force, miraculous power, supernatural ability, and demonstration of power. We want to prevent a power outage in the body of Christ. We want to prevent a power outage in our walk. We want to walk. Sometimes Christianity can be limited to simply surviving instead of thriving. It can be limited to just having a better theology, a better argument, but not walking in power. We can get discouraged, we can get frustrated, something can happen, and we can begin to walk away from pursuing the power of God and just be satisfied that got my ticket into glory. I am thankful that Jesus died on the cross to forgive my sins so that I could go to heaven. But I believe he died for much more than that. I believe he died so that we could be filled with power to live a life above the tactics and the strategies of the enemy. Not immune. When you say walk in power, does that mean I don't have struggles, I don't have adversity, I don't have challenges? No. Absolutely not. What to walk in power means that when I have struggles, adversities, and challenges, I have resource available that helps me keep plowing on. I have something that helps me overcome. You're an overcomer. You're an overcomer. You're more than a conqueror. What does that mean? That means you've got to come over some stuff. You've got to conquer some stuff. And we can only do it with the power that he's given us. He wants us to walk in power. The Bible says this in Ephesians 6.10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Not ours, but in his. The Passion Translation says it this way, be supernaturally infused with strength through your life union with the Lord Jesus. Stand victorious with the force of his explosive power flowing in and through you. I had to do it twice. I just wasn't sure what that sound meant. It's like the power of God flowing in and through you. 
When we understand that the power of God is available in us, then we're not dependent on something on the outside happening to us because I understand it's available. Now it can flow out of me and come out of me. There's power available to the believer through Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. Now when I say power, I could just say things like, we need to power God. You know, if you're from Southern Illinois, you just say power. Just get rid of the W. It's P-O-E-R, power. You know, when you talk about the power of God, then some people, when I say power, then they're like, okay, everybody's laid out on the floor. You know, God's touching them, and man, there's people. Is that the power of God? Yes. That could be an essence of the power of God. To some people, the power of God is to say no when you were going to buy something that you don't have the money for. That's the power of God. For some people, it's you're getting ready to tell that person something. And you let it run around the track. And you bless you. That's the power of God sometimes. That's the power of God. Sometimes it's you're seeing that candy or that cookie or that cake and your hand is almost... And you pull it away and you walk over here and you grab the banana. The power of God just came into your life. Power of God takes all kinds of manifestations. What I want to encourage you is the power of God is not just for this room. On the contrary, the power of God is mostly for not in this room. It's mostly. We spend an hour and a half together. You think the power of God is for an hour and a half out of your week? The power of God is for the rest of your week. So this is what he's saying. He's saying, form of godliness, but deny the power. What does it mean to deny? That word deny means to disregard, reject, disown, refuse to recognize or acknowledge. Why would people disregard or reject the power of God? Sometimes it happens unintentionally. People disregard the power of God. They refuse to recognize the power of God, refuse to engage the power of God. A situation happens, and they just kind of don't even think about the power of God. I'm going to give you a couple reasons why it happens. One, maybe through wrong teaching or preaching. They're taught wrong. They don't even know that they have an option. I I had some error in teaching about the power of God so much so that I didn't even know that I could. I had an option to engage the power of God. So that sometimes teaching can be a death. Sometimes it'll happen in response to a circumstance or a disappointment. In other words, something bad can happen or something cannot happen the way you want it to happen. And so then we revert to, instead of pursuing and pressing into the power of God, we, through disappointment, we begin to adapt and change. And we say, you know what? I'm just going to survive. Whatever happens is going to happen. I'm not going to be let down again. I'm not going to be disappointed again. So we don't press into the power because we're afraid of getting let down again. So we don't walk in the power anymore. We just walk in survival. You know what? I'm just going to love Jesus no matter what happens. It's all good. He's in complete control. I don't have any say-so in this. And we'll begin to adapt our theology to a more Calvinistic approach of saying, you know what? I'm just going to love God. And it doesn't matter really if I pray. It's going to happen or it's not going to happen. And we don't engage the power anymore. Sometimes we deny the power of God 
through ignorance we just don't know. And I believe this is one of the big ones, and this is what I want to address today. Your Bible says this in Hosea chapter 4, verse 6. It says, my people are destroyed for lack of, hmm, why are they destroyed? Lack of, lack of knowledge. That word knowledge just means understanding or skillful knowledge applied to a craft. Destroyed means to to cease or to be cut off, to be ruined because they have a defect or a failure of knowledge. Knowledge is power. Lack of knowledge can cause us to be cut off or prevent us from experiencing what is already available to us. It's not that it isn't available to us, we just don't have the understanding to connect with it. So this is what God wants to do. I believe sometimes, in my, I'll just say this for myself, I have not engaged in the power of God in some areas because I did not know I could or I did not know how to. I wanted it. I wanted it to happen, but I just didn't know how. So my lack of knowledge prevented me from accessing what was available to me. So knowledge is a part of the equation. So let's flip over to Ephesians chapter 1. i got to hurry and get to this. Ephesians chapter 1. Lack of knowledge. My people are destroyed because of lack of knowledge. We do not want to have a power outage in our life And here's what's going to happen in this series. I believe God's going to stir up the power of God in our lives and in our church. I believe the power of God. This is why you need to come uh, Wednesday night if you can, first Wednesday, because we're going to stir up the power of God. Not like stir up like hype or emotion. That's not what I'm talking about. But we're going to lean into what God wants to do. We're going to pray into that. And we're going to do a time of impartation and prayer for the power of God to be released and activated in our lives on a whole new level. Because I believe this is what God has for you in your life. He wants you to live a life of power. He wants me to live a life of power. Again, that doesn't mean we don't have problems. It just means he's going to give us equipment on what to do when we have them. So Ephesians chapter 1, look at verse 15. Therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you. This is Paul. He wrote a letter to the church in Ephesus. All right, And he wrote this letter encouraging them. And he says, I do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. So this is Paul's prayer to the believers. This is God's desire. This is what Paul is praying for in their lives. Verse 17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you, and this is what I'm believing for, it's going to happen in this series, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of of him in the knowledge of him now notice this in the knowledge of him we get two things jot it down you see it in your notes there we get two things in the knowledge of him i pray that god will give you what two things i'm going to give you the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation it doesn't say spirit of revelation but the but the understanding of the language is that those are two things, spirit of wisdom and spirit of revelation. So I'm going to ask for you to give two things, two things, wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Notice where rep, spirit of wisdom and revelation are located, in the knowledge of him. What is knowledge? It means coming to understand as true or valid a personal recognition or acquaintance that necessitates a reaction. This is like in the knowledge of him. This is a personal knowledge. Can I, I'll explain it this way. It's like when you know something, maybe you teach your kids, you tell your kids this over and over and over, and then someday on their own, 
all of a sudden, boom, the light comes on and they start telling you things that you've been telling them for a long time. Or they start acting a certain way. This is when they got their knowledge. It's one thing for me to tell you something. That's not your knowledge yet. That's my knowledge being communicated. But when I get it in my heart, now it becomes my knowledge. And that kind of knowledge requires a response. It's personal. So it says, in the knowledge of him. So you, in your knowledge of God, not my knowledge, in your knowledge of him, he's wanting to give you two things, wisdom and revelation. What is that? This is how we're going to engage in the power of God. Number one, he wants to give you wisdom. Wisdom is a word that means the capacity. It means the skill, the understanding on how to do something. I give you the definition there. It's the aptitude, the skill to understand and act wisely. Now, I want to address a phrase real quickly. I think, I think this is an important phrase. How many has ever heard this phrase, maybe even used in church? Well, you got to use wisdom. One morning, I was addressing the team. We had a little devotion time, and God had put this on my spirit to, to talk to them. <laughs> and, you know, we were dealing with some areas that were not so welcoming to the gospel, and some people were not so excited about us being there, and they were trying to direct us on where to go and what to do and things like that. And God dropped this into my heart. Have you ever heard someone say, I'm believing God, I'm praying for God to do this, but I need to use wisdom. And they make this statement like there's God's way and there's wisdom. Like those are two opposing forces. Like, well, you know, I know God tells me to do this, but you know we need to use wisdom. Think about it. That we really, is there wisdom outside of God? Is God not smart enough to figure everything out that when he tells us to do something, we need to run it through our filter so that we come up with some things that God didn't consider and say, well, God, thank you. I know you're directing me to do that, but I need to use some wisdom on this situation because you probably didn't think about this, this, this. For real? The Bible says this in Proverbs chapter 2, for the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. There is no opposite of believing God and using wisdom. We don't need to do that. All we need to do is hear from God. Once we hear from God, all the wisdom you need is in his voice. It's in his direction. There is no wisdom outside of God. Let me give you a Bible. Okay, some of you are looking at me with a cross eye. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, 1 Corinthians 1.25. 1 Corinthians 3, 19, for the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. <laughs> 1 Corinthians 2, these things we also speak not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. Let me tell you this, if we are not careful, we will wisdom ourselves right out of experiencing the power of God. Did you catch that? If we're not careful, we'll wisdom ourselves right out of experiencing the power of God. Because we'll pray, we'll get a direction from God, and then we'll start listening to people. And people will say, well, you need to use some wisdom. I heard from God. There is no better wisdom than from God. 
I don't want Chad's wisdom outside of God. I don't want to hear from God and then have Chad analyze the Word of God and say, Chad, do you agree with what God says? No, I don't think that's wise. God says my wisdom is foolishness compared to His. Now, I'm not here to be the phrase police that every time someone says, well, you got to use wisdom. Oh, Chad says don't say that. That's not what it's about. I want you to understand you need to hear from God. And if you hear from God, you've got all the wisdom you need. Does that mean we don't have to think? Does that mean God doesn't want us to have rational thought? God wants us to have rational thought in agreement with his plans and his purposes. He gives us a brain to think. He gives us a mind to think, absolutely. But he gives us a mind to think in union, in harmony with the will of God, not in contrary to the will of God, not in opposite to the will of God. He says, I want you to line your thoughts with my thoughts, and then your ways will become my ways. Spirit of wisdom. Your capacity. God wants to give you wisdom. You need wisdom to be a better husband. You need wisdom to be a better wife. You need wisdom to run your business. Wisdom is not just for church. In the knowledge of Jesus. Man, I wish I could tell you this in more detail. I'll have to next week. The knowledge of Jesus is not just for Sundays. The problem is we have churchified Jesus. And that knowledge of Jesus is only good for Sunday morning for an hour and a half about Jesus to pass some Bible trivia questions. The knowledge of Jesus, in the knowledge of Him, comes wisdom on how to do your business better, how to make a sale, how to do with uh, work with clients, in the knowledge of Him, how to be better in your classroom, in the knowledge of Him is wisdom on how to function with your employees. Is wisdom on how to create, how to have a greater aptitude uh, uh, on how to fix problems at your job that no one else can figure out. What is it? I spent time with Jesus and I downloaded wisdom. Don't leave your wisdom in church. Take it with you. Second thing we'll get into more later, but just you just need to know this. He said, "I'll give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation." The word revelation is communication. Wisdom is capacity. Revelation is communication. Wisdom is something God gives me. I have an understanding. I have a skill. I have an aptitude. Revelation is my communication with Him where I get more wisdom. If I have wisdom with no revelation, I have no more communication, therefore I can't get any more wisdom. Hear me, hear me. This is why you need wisdom and revelation. Some people are satisfied with just a little wisdom. They get smarter. They know some things. And then they stop communication with God. They stop ongoing revelation and they don't get anything fresh. These are the people that talk about what God told them 15 years ago and they don't talk about what he's told them today. They're stuck. They're stuck. Life flow. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to give, please visit us at theroads.church. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel to watch our latest sermons.